This morning, I dropped my kids off at school for the first time since March of 2020. In so many ways, it felt the same as it did almost two years ago. The early morning scramble to get everyone and all of their winter gear, lunches, and backpacks to the right place at the right time. But in important ways, this morning was very different, mainly because I'm different. And the differences aren't born so much from shepherding my family through a pandemic, completely changing our lives in so many ways for so many months. I think I'm different because of a question. It's a question that's taped to the wall above my computer. It is a question that I've thought about every day since a small group of teachers and I gathered on Zoom in the summer of 2020. By that summer, it had become clear that we really were in a pandemic. I was no longer concerned about running out of toilet paper or ordering new family games to occupy us during the long hours at home. Now I was worried about different things, big things, keeping my children safe and healthy, maintaining connections with friends and extended family, and supporting educators who had to figure out ways to create learning communities in strange contexts. So there was a lot to discuss when I met with my fellow teacher leaders. Before the pandemic, we had been working with educators in rural Idaho to support students to do more source-based writing. But now, many of the teaching practices would have to look very different. It seemed like an insurmountable challenge. How could teachers nurture learning communities in little Zoom boxes? Would students ever feel safe enough to think together and ask hard questions? What would instruction, conferences, and feedback look like in digital or socially distanced spaces? Could these new classrooms still be places of joy and possibility? We wrote together and talked and wrote more and talked some more. Then we decided to organize some of our thinking into a shared document and titled it Persisting Principles and Practices. It would help us hold on to what we know to be true, like our understanding that learning happens in community. Then we could focus our attention on how to revise instructional practices in ways that would still let us enact our guiding principles. This exercise of collaboratively articulating what we knew about teaching and learning, and then thinking together about ways to keep those principles alive, despite the pandemic, made so much of what I had learned from my colleagues and students over the years finally click together for me. The way to thrive in difficult circumstances, and really in all circumstances, is to figure out your principles or priorities and then focus on them. So the question, what am I paying attention to, became my North Star. It is taped to my wall and tattooed to my heart. When I pick my kids up from school this afternoon, when I step into a classroom, when I have a conversation with a colleague, I will keep asking myself, what am I paying attention to? Welcome friends. I'm your host, Patty Wiseman Adams, and this is our twig cast for today. Um, I would like to tell you that this is one of the most special um, twig casts that we've had so far. With us today, we have the wonderful Jess Westhoff. Um, Jess is a very humble, and um, she would be the last to tell you anything about herself. Um, or to brag on her, but I am going to. Um, she's a former English teacher um, and she's taught high school. She's taught preschool. 
Um, she's also been a very huge um, influence on the Boise State Writing Project. She's been a, t a director. She's been a teacher leader and consultant. Um, she's been right now. She's currently in charge of PD for the Boise State Writing Project in the state of Idaho. So if you need any PD, she is the woman to get you all squared away, um, and it would be wonderful. Um, also, she is the one of the original founders of Twig. Um, she is our leader. She's the mama of Twig, and. She's also the mother of Annabelle and Asher, who probably that's her most splendid role, um, considering that you just heard about her homeschooling them for the last couple uh, during the pandemic and their first day of school was today. So that is so exciting. Jess, it is a joy to have you on the TwigCast. So uh, welcome. Patty, thank you so much for that warm introduction. Um, I am just so thrilled that we have been able to do so much of this work for so many years together. You are one of my most trusted colleagues and favorite people. So thank you, Patty, for being you and for having this conversation with me today. Well, I am so excited. Um, it was with a little sadness that we had our last um, Twig Tuesday with Twig meeting in December of 2021. Yeah. Um, I know we're kind of morphing. We're in that growing stage. And I know for you as, as like I said, the mama twig, you know, uh, how that, how did that feel to you? Kind yeah, of it was, it was definitely um, a time that I, I marked and, and did some reflection around. I felt like the culmination in many ways of a lot of a lot of work that we've done over the past few years. Um, but it, I think in a lot of ways, it also felt like the beginning. Um, I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about, you know, our experiences together and bringing together a group of teachers and, you know, writing together and talking about the teaching of writers um, is that we've we've kind of figured out some of the things that that energize us as educators and some of the things that um, we can provide for each other in ways that we can support each other. So it's really exciting to have been able to identify some of those things and to think about how we can um, continue to support each other in the future. You know, that really reminds me of when we um, when we meet together with Twig. Um, you know, you always set an agenda for us and remind us you know, hey, how do we bring this back to our principles? And you kind of lead us through ways to kind of identify what it is as a group that we believe, you know, taking each of our individual things that are sometimes different and coming up with that group um, dynamic. Our last um, essential question that we kind of used to guide us in our Tuesday with Twig was how does reflection sustain and promote a culture of argument? I know we were working with argument writing, but what I have found over the years with you is that a lot of times those essential questions that you, you know, you allow us to, to play with and, and we come up with as a group, but they really do lead, lead us beyond the writing into our teaching and, and even into our own personal lives. Like they're not just essential questions that we can use to think about um, the work we're doing. It's kind of the 
the work we're doing in us as well. And um, one of the things that I think listeners should really know about you is that you walk this walk. Reflection is huge for you. Um, and I would really like to kind of know what, how has this journey with Twig kind of, how have you reflected? I know you talked a little bit about it, but how do you use reflection as a way to move forward when you're building things like this with teachers or with students? Yeah, well, I think that you really um, identified something that I've found to be true there. And that's that, you know, so much of this work that we're doing um, in TWIG and in classrooms with other teachers, with students, um, just bleeds into our lives, our regular lives as humans, um, as individuals in this crazy world of ours. Um, and so it's, I've always thought that that was one of the real joys of teaching is that I'm always learning about like how I want to be as a person in the classroom and trying that out in my own life. And it's like this back and forth. Um, and I think for me, the, the part about reflection has been, has been so huge. Um, I remember, you know, early on in my teaching career, um, I was facilitating a Socratic seminar with a group of juniors in high school. And our question was about, you know, like, what does it even mean to learn? Um, and I remember my class came up with this equation by the end of the Socratic seminar um, that was learning equals experience plus reflection. And I thought that was just so genius that they had come up with this equation. And I've really held on to that all these years as an educator and just as a person um, and, and really taken that to heart that in order to, to truly learn something, I have to create that space in my life to reflect and to think about like, what was I paying attention to in that moment? What do I wanna pay attention to now about that experience and bring forward into the future? Oh, I think that is so powerful. The fact that you could recognize within your students that um, that formula and, and how, you know, some people might have gone, oh, okay, they came up with a formula, but for you to see beyond, you know, and, and to know the impact that, I mean, they probably carried that with them because it's easy to remember, but it's deep and it's profound. And I mean, it's just amazing that they were able to come to that. Um, well, so I'm just so thankful um, that they did because I think that what I've learned from that moment was that um, the importance of creating space. And I think that's a huge part of what we're trying to do with Twig is to create space for people to think, to think together, to write together, to reflect. And like when you have that space, and you couple that with these experiences that we're constantly having in the world, um, then that's when learning happens. And that's just been such a powerful reminder to me to create that space in as many ways as I can. When we first began, we were pre-pandemic. And you, uh, and community building was super important to you then. And, and I think, um, you know, just listening to your story, I think, it's almost um, become probably your number one principle. Like, hey, we cannot do anything unless we build 
community, right? Right. So I'm wondering if we want to go back and, you know, go back to the beginning about when you first brought some teachers together and and we were going to do some work in um, rural Idaho, we were going to kind of go and, and um, become partners. That was the important thing, right? We were, you, I remember you telling us um, that, you know, professional development in the state of Idaho, a lot of times at that time had people paying lots of money to bring in these, you know, fancy bells and whistles from out of state who come in, do a one and done. The teachers are expected to, you know, change everything and there's no relationship built with them. And the person that did the training is gone. And, and then the next shiny thing comes and we did not want to be that. Right. How, How did you go about, um, purposely I know at that time setting the stage for what work you how you wanted to um, maybe not train or facilitate with with the teachers that you assembled who were going to go do some of this work with you how did you plan that yeah I mean we had such a unique opportunity you know we had some funding to um, provide basically two years worth of frequent professional development for um, a school in rural Idaho, um, you know, which is kind of unheard of for, first of all, even to have that time to be able to um, go in and work with teachers over the course of several years and to really build those relationships. So I think from the beginning, we knew that we wanted to really take advantage of that opportunity that the time would afford us to build really deep relationships. Um, with the teachers that we'd be working with. And I think another thing that we've learned, you know, both in working with students in our own classrooms, as well as with teachers in different professional development settings that we've, that we've been in over the last few years, um, is that, you know, you're right. Like teachers don't just want the next new fancy teaching strategy or um, instructional method or book or theory, like, what teachers often are yearning for is a space to, to be together, to think together about their students um, and how to better support their students in their learning. Um, so I, I think that from the very beginning, we really tried to prioritize that, um, both in terms of the planning that we were doing as a small group of teachers who would go in and become hopefully partners, like true partners with these teachers um, who didn't necessarily ask for us to be there or want one more thing added um, to their schedule, mm-hmm. how we could really um, become become real partners um, and, and develop these authentic relationships. So, um, you know, in thinking about that, I, I think that one of the things that we tried to do from the beginning was to find ways as we thought through, you know, like what those professional development days might look like, you know, ways to really connect with the other teachers to listen to them, to try to get to know them as professionals, to try to get to know their students through them. Um, and that hopefully, you know, as, the, as we were able to, to truly build those relationships, um, we, could, we could kind of get into the nitty gritty of like, what kinds of things might we revise in our classrooms to better support students? Um, instead of starting there and then trying to build relationships maybe after the fact. 
um, but by putting relationships and partnership in the center of our work. Um, you know, and I think also we thought that that that's just kind of a better way to be. I mean, that's what we try to do with our students. We, we know that they're not just empty vessels that we want, you know, to fill with knowledge and skills, right? Like we try to create these learning communities where, first of all, we're people who want to be seen and heard and understood and that we can build understanding together. And, you know, so that was kind of a model that we tried to apply to our work with teachers um, uh, through, through the professional development workshops. I also remember one um, key move that we came up with, and, and I know that you were, um, you were crucial to this, to this decision because we really thought about what we didn't like with PD that we had all had, you know, in, in our vast amount of years together, like a lot of us with the, the amount of experience, you know, teaching years that we had right. as, as a group. And I think the one thing that we should mention is that our group that was assembled um, comes from various schools across Idaho, um, different grade levels. We have elementary, middle school, high school teachers on in TWIG and, um, and no matter what, we tried to make sure that we had um, identified principles that could work to just be good teaching practice, regardless of what, where you were teaching, what you were teaching, and what age level you were teaching. Yeah. And when we worked with that small school, the genius thing that I think happened is we said, not only are we going to go into their classrooms to observe and to celebrate, because that was one of the things, you know, and mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know Jess, Joy is one of um, the key tenements of, um, tenements of her, her existence. Like she really wants us to find our joy. And so we said, if we're going to go into their classrooms, let's have them come to our classrooms. And we invited each other. And so and we got to be on that other end. And, you know, I always think, I always remember once um, a couple of those teachers came and I mean, watched my classroom, the, the gal goes, you know, it was so great to see yours because I see that you're just, you're just in it just like I am. Like yes. I, I, I didn't show them any fancy bells or whistles because that wouldn't have been helpful. I was in the nitty gritty, just like they are an everyday teacher just trying to practice my craft and help my students be the best that they could. And, um, and I think once we did that, we, and we showed them that we are learning right alongside of them. Um, I think it, it was the, the whole thing. It totally opened the, the door for all of us. Like we were all like, okay, this this is learning together. This is a learning. Yes. I mean, I, I agree. I think that, you know, in order to learn, you have to be vulnerable. And one of the ways that we figured out, like how we could be vulnerable was like opening up our classrooms and then opening up our questions too. Like we, I think never tried to, to, to work with teachers and say, we've got it figured out. We know how to be the best teachers of writers like we have a lot of questions still and we have a lot of 
challenges that emerge when we're working with students. Um, and I think that, you know, the same thing applies when we're working with kids. I mean, whether, you know, most recently I was um, a, a preschool teacher, you know, working with these, you know, young, young kids, I think that it almost helped me to see like, the power of sharing my questions. You know, I think when I started, you know, way back when I was a, um, a high school English teacher, I felt like this need to, to know everything. Like I always was concerned, okay, like today, this is what we're going to talk about. Like, what if they have a question about this or this? Like, do I know all of the things? And I felt like I had to prepare so much um, rather than understanding the power of like being vulnerable and not having all the answers and sharing the questions. So, I mean, I think on so many levels, you know, a huge part of, um, of, of being an educator is, is opening up with what you don't know and what you're trying to figure out and really like trying to create this um, community where you are in it together and you're learning out and you're struggling through it. Um, and I, I think for me, that's been one of just the, the greatest joys of our teaching writers inquiry group is that, you know, we've created this space where we can sit in these hard questions and puzzle through them together. And there's, I think just a lot of joy in experiencing that wonder with other people and not feeling this pressure to, to have to know everything or um, even realizing that, that not knowing everything is is more powerful and maybe more instructive in the long run. Well, I know for some of us, I kind of thought that's why I was in the group in the first place, because I always <laughs> knew that I didn't know. Much, and I'm like, oh, okay, but it, you know, it is right that the vulnerability, um, you know, really is a space in our own hearts and minds, especially as educators, that sometimes is hard, hard to hard to get to. I, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit, you know, you kind of you built this community with the teachers, not only that we were working with, but the, the teachers that you were, um, you were, you have assembled to be the initial beginning members of TWIG. It's been a little bit of a fluid group, there's been a few that have gone um, to do other great things. Um, and then, you know, we have added people to our, to our ranks. I'm wondering, um, I know you, you stopped being, um, you ended being a preschool teacher because you were going to take on the role of being a, um, a homeschool teacher unexpectedly when the pandemic came, but you also, we moved online to zoom from, we had, previously been in person and we all looked forward to getting together but we moved to zoom so when you say you know those little boxes and we had to see if learning communities in strange contexts you were having to do that work with us I'm just wondering what did you notice as a teacher who you know had kind of stepped back and 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 really wasn't um you were you were having to do it with your own kids, but you weren't having to run, you know, the 30 kids in a in the Zoom boxes. What did you notice from the feedback from us that were, you know, in the trenches doing that as you were working with us? Yeah, I mean, it was 
you know, a very strange kind of time in my life, um, you know, because I kind of put a pause on, on many of my professional endeavors and, you know, took this time to, you know, full, full on support my kids as they were um, learning from home. Um, but I guess, you know, the unique thing that afforded me was the opportunity to, to really step back, like you said, and, and to, to see like how, like the different phases of the pandemic were really affecting teachers. Um, and it was hard at first, you know, I just, I think that we all value being together and the hugs and the sharing of food and just like that gathering, um, you know, we would have dinner at my house or meet at restaurant, you know, and, and we, I think there was like such a time of mourning that we weren't able to support each other in those ways that we had, that we had developed and kind of cultivated over the years to, to be together. Um, but I think that, you know, what really stood out to me was that even just having like a regular time to come together, even though it was in these little zoom boxes, um, but, but knowing that, you know, every Tuesday night we were going to be together and we were going to be able to write together and to check in, to catch up and share that there was just, something um, about that consistency that I think was really, you know, helpful and supportive and energizing um, for all of us. You know, I think that when we first would sign into meetings, you know, there was, you could tell like the energy if we were all tired and what people were struggling with and all these different concerns that emerged around teaching online or hybrid, or then finally when we went back into schools, um, but I think that for me, like the big lesson of these last couple of years and just observing it was, was how much power consistency has. And just the fact that we knew that we could count on being together, even, even though it was on screen and even though it was for a short period of time, you know, every Tuesday evening that that, you know, almost gave us something to like hold on to, like to anchor us um, in the sense that, that you know, even when things were really tough, like we almost always, you know, would end our meeting, I think, feeling more energized than when we first logged on. So that was a really hopeful experience um, to see that even in a really tough circumstance, we could, we could be together and, and draw support from each other in different ways. Well, and I think even as, as one of the participants of that, it, it always, left me um, thinking about me as a learner and being able to apply that to my students. And I feel like Twig has always given me a chance to dive into something as a learner, but then realize the, the thing is true with my own students. Yes. Like I remember, I remember, you know, I like, oh, that's Twig. Good. You know, we're going to get to, we're going to get to do these things. And it was, it was consistent. It was scheduled. But I and it was enjoyable learning, you know. It was like mm -hmm. we we remain academically curious, and and we love that. But then when I would get done, I'd be like, you know what? This is how my students feel. I think the not every yeah. single one mm -hmm. every day, but as a as a mob, I mean a group, <laughs> a learning mob. I'm calling. I, I'm, that might be the title of one of my our book, right? I think so. <laughs> but you know, I just think sometimes 
um, I would learn things about me as a learner that really did work for my own students. And I might not have recognized that had I not been going through that. And I think a lot of times as teachers, we just start getting in that teacher role, teacher role, mm-hmm. teacher role, and we're far removed from the learning role. And, and so I was really appreciative just to you for creating that space so that I feel like it made me a better teacher during the pandemic because I did start trying to really build communities, learning communities, thinking communities that would help my students. It was about them bonding together, not just me being the teacher, but right. them being able to, to, to do that. And I think that's what helps them to get through the, these things too. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about like, intellectual curiosity too. I mean, I think that we were really able, um, just because we didn't have all of the other things that we kind of used to rely on to like support each other and to work together. Like we didn't have all those accoutrements, right? So we, we had to like really focus on what we could do and we could like have really good conversations together and be curious and explore different perspectives. And, you know, I think that, one of the things that that came through that was that even even though it wasn't exactly how we we would have wanted it to be in an ideal world we weren't like sitting in a room together eating food and drinking right like we were still able to to be together and to be curious and to like to see each other and to to be seen and um i think that you know some of those lessons we were able to figure out like how, how did we do that as a group of teachers? And then how can we do that for students in difficult circumstances? Well, and one of those things I think that the group has been, um, you know, we've morphed a little bit and, and we kind of, I, for those listeners out there, I think it's all about writing, even though writing is in our, in our name, we really, it's, it's really about learning, right. And it's about being educators and, um, and learning, but we've tried to add to our group. And, and Jess, I'm wondering, you know, we, we've kind of morphed, um, you know, we, we're, we're in this, you know, a little bit, we're changing right now a little bit and trying to see what we're going to become or what's next for us as a group. Um, we added um, this semester, or I guess it would be last, the fall semester, we added a group of, um, we called them fellows, right? And they applied mm-hmm. to be, and we had a little bit of money left over from a grant that we were working with due to the pandemic. And so we we added people on. I'm wondering um, if you could talk about what that's like to, to, um, to add to your group and um, what you, what things you think about when you're, adding people to this already established group, which is different from a, you know, as a classroom, because usually they're new at the same time, except for you have one or two move in, but this was adding one group to another group. Yeah, I mean, that's been a really interesting um, component of this work that we've done over the last few years, you know, starting with our thinking partners um, in the small town in Idaho, and then moving to kind of just our core group of teachers who wanted to figure out how to support other teachers and then opening it up to anyone and inviting people to apply for fellowships. I mean, we've had a few different iterations of how we've invited people into this space um, to think together with us. You know, and I think that um, 
it's every every phase of it has felt really interesting and exciting in different ways um you know and it's always you know like kind of sad when somebody isn't able to like join in because their commitments change or they have an appointment every Tuesday night or you know whatever it happens to be it's it's hard to to think and to be in community with someone and then for them not to be able to be there anymore um but it's also exciting for for new people to come in who maybe haven't had all the same conversations and who are thinking about different things and who are coming from different um, different contexts. So each phase has been different, and I'm excited to see you know what happens next. You know, for the spring semester, um, we're back to just like it being an open invitation. You know, to anybody who wants to join. Um, on Tuesday nights to write together and and to discuss you know what's emerging for us as we're working with young writers. Um, but I, I think that what's been important though in the work is staying really grounded in our principles um, and also the rituals that we've developed. I mean, I think we've developed some really cool rituals from like our writing into the days to our um, kind of setting community agreements and discussion norms. Um, a new ritual that kind of came about this last semester was our waterfall where um, everyone would type into the chat like a couple of words or a phrase that some they heard someone say that really resonated with them. And then um, one of us would read out loud the waterfall as kind of like a way to conclude. So I think those rituals, um, so the structures, the rituals, the principles, you know, even as the the people who've been able to participate in Twig has kind of ebbed and flowed, um, the rituals and the principles have, have kind of centered us and kept us um, aligned with with our purpose and what we hoped the group would provide for people who are wanting to think more about the teaching of writers. Oh, I, I agree 100%. You know, you said something super powerful in your um, intro story about you know, the, the phrase that you have on your computer. And I just want to leave our, our audience where it's, where you have the phrase, what am I paying attention to? And so I'm wondering if we could maybe end our talk with me just asking you, what are you paying attention to right now? What's on your heart and your mind? Well, you know, when I was writing my story today about taking my kids back to school for the first time in almost two years, um, I was I was really reflecting on that. Like as I kind of bundled them up in their winter coats and, and loaded them in the car, like I was really trying to pay more attention to the questions they were asking, the looks in their eyes. Um, and I, and that's what I hope to do when I pick them up tonight too, right? Is I want, I want to pay attention to them and not all of the stuff around them. And I think that, that that's what I'm trying to pay attention to in my professional life as well. Um, you know, there's so much in education mm-hmm. to distract us, right? Um, there's so much noise. So much noise. And I just, I want to pay attention to the kids I want to pay attention to the community that we are building together. Um, so I would say, you know, in all areas of my life, I'm, I'm trying to pay more attention to the people, who they are right now, um, 
and trying to pay less attention to maybe what's come before and what might be, but you know, what's happening right now? Um, what are they interested in? Where are they finding beauty? Um, what seems to be, you know, bringing us life and joy at this moment? And, you know, with that, I think I am going to say thank you so much for joining me today. As usual, I learned, I listened, and I grew just by being with you. So thank you so much for being with us. And those of you who would, who were just listening to Jess and saying, how do I get to be around this person and, and learn from her? You can join us on Tuesdays with Twig. Um, if you're not sure where to go and where to um, find that, hey Jess, what's the name <laughs> of our website? Because you thought of this name and it's awesome. Yes, please check out our website. It's www.twig.fun. Um, best best domain name ever right right and we we just want you to know um you know we're we're teachers that are working with other teachers to think through things and to try to create a space where we can learn and grow and and help young writers young thinkers but also ourselves to grow as people so if that sounds like something you want to do we would love to see you. So thank you again, Jess. And I am hoping that Asher and Annabelle had a wonderful first day of school. Oh, thank you, Patty. Thank you so much for this conversation. I always enjoy talking with you and learning with you. And I am very eager for our next Tuesdays with Twig. And I would be remiss if I had not mentioned that also Jody Braun is our sound guy, our producer, and he will be making his magic happen. So Jody, don't think I forgot you. Thank you very much and happy new year, everybody.